Today on Stick to Football, we have our cash or trash on NFL rumors, your draft on draft questions, all the latest draft news, and a sit-down interview between myself and Jacob Eason, which you can watch on our YouTube playlist, Bleach Report's YouTube channel, Matt, Mello, and Connor. You can also watch the entire show there if you just really miss seeing people. Um, because Dude, What know, else are you doing? I know I do. Man, I, I miss being around other human I love you guys. I miss being around other human beings. I was actually thinking about this on my drive into the office. Like, I, I come into the office. It's not really like an office, though. It's it's just me and you here. Yep. So I don't want to give people the wrong <laughs> We're idea. We're not like, going to work. Why are yeah. these guys still going to work? It is literally me and Matt. That's it. Um, but until roughly 3.30, 3.45 today, I hadn't talked to another person at all. I don't know if I had actually said words out loud other than singing while trying to watch players. <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre. And another thing I was thinking of, usually, I mean, there's a point in the season where I see you guys almost every other week easily, but since we're all going to be doing the draft, and yes, there will be a BR draft show, don't worry about that, it'll feel just as good as all the other ones, but I won't see you guys till oh God. TBD. It might be over half a year without yeah. seeing you guys, which wow. is crazy on our timeline. It is. I got to, man... I remember when I hadn't seen you for a couple of months when I was like being real strict on working out and dieting and you were like, holy in Vegas. shit. Right. Yeah. I really yeah, want that same reaction from you next time. And like in yeah. a positive. Well, get to work. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, what? why did you gain 40 pounds on quarantine? Yeah, quarantine. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah, the Corona 15. Everybody's right. nervous about it. So, yeah. I, oh, I, I think I got the 15 in the first week. Like, I've moved on. All I do is All I do is eat. Since I'm always home, like it's, I don't know, I guess it, when you're a walk from the fridge for your entire it's work terrible. day, it's so easy to just eat all day. Now you guys understand how I got kind of plump there for a while because I've never I just from worked home. from home. The, the yeah. thing that's going to counter it for me is the fact that I haven't been drinking alcohol, which sorry, Matt. Mm. Uh, have uh, so yeah. hopefully that balances <laughs> yeah, out because I take in a lot of calories through beer, even though it's light beer. I take in a lot of calories through beer. Same. Okay, we, let's actually get to the show, what you guys came here for. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa says he's 100% and could play right now, and according to NFL Network, that has been verified now by an independent doctor. So I would like to thank Lee Steinberg, his agent, for listening to Stick to Football, because do you remember last week where we went on a rant about this of like, mm-hmm. Tua can say he's healthy all he wants. Until a third party says it, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical. Well, a third party has now said it, guys. Uh, they went. He went through a full medical check all 32 team doctors were able to get the results and also have input in what was being checked on Tua by this uh, unbiased medical professional. And so now, guys, it sounds like we had thought maybe Tua was a draft and stash player for 2020. That might not actually be the case from a medical standpoint. Yeah, and if you're a team like the Dolphins or you know some of these other teams, I think it's a good sign because you have a quarterback that's already kind of in place there that you know can play in Fitzpatrick. Uh, but... I'm still hesitant to buy into the Tua thing. I know that people keep saying it, and I I believe it. I want to believe it, but I'm still skeptical of even a third-party guy. I I sold a car once on Craigslist, and we took it to a mechanic, a third-party mechanic that was supposed to check over the car. I knew it was a piece of shit, but guess what? He took about five minutes, checked it over. They were like, will you check the transmission? He crawled under the car. Looked at something. I heard a knocking sound. Came back. Was like, "Yep, it's all good." It's like, "Really? That's we're gonna go with that. It's all good." So third parties not always that reliable, especially when you're selling a car on Craigslist. Good enough. And I still think, yeah, I still think the biggest thing for me guys is not Tua getting healthy, is Tua staying healthy. So I'm happy. I'm happy that he looks great. He looks nimble. He looks healthy. He's moving around. It sounds like. If there's ever a training camp starting on time or if it's late, he'll be, you know, hopefully a full participant. All that stuff is great. The biggest thing about Tua Tungavailoa and the reason he's not my number one quarterback in this class is because I just have concerns about him re-aggravating, whether it's ankle, hip, or just a new injury. So for Tua, uh, this is great news, and we've said it on this show for a very long time. He's going to be a top five pick, probably a top three pick, but just hopefully uh, you know, people keep sight of the most important thing, and that's staying healthy long term. So I didn't put this on the rundown. I teased it a little bit to Connor before the show, but I wanted to drop some news right now on the show. 
and this is in my scouting notebook that comes out every Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this Friday morning, you can hop in the BR app and read it. I have talked to multiple teams this week, guys. One has Tua as QB4. Another has Tua as QB3. And it's not because injury. There are, there are scouts, there are GMs, there are coaches that believe he's basically the product of a system at Alabama that had four first-rounders at receiver, two first-rounders at offensive tackle. Now, I don't agree with this, and I've pushed back on it. He's my number two quarterback. He's a top-ten player for me. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to get your guys' take on the idea out there that Tua is maybe not as good as the three of us and a lot of people in the media believe. I think when you're evaluating any position, but specifically the quarterback position, it's hard not to look at what players have around him. You look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had every bit of talent around him that Tua Tungaliola did, but we're not knocking him on, oh man, look at what Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase did. We're talking about Jamar Chase already as one of the best receiver prospects we've seen. He's got two years of tape, one really good year. So I think it's unfair to say, well, look at what Tua did. I went back and watched some of his tape today, actually, and I think he does do a really good job of throwing his receivers open. Now, they do a great job also of making plays, but when I'm making a projection of what is Tua going to do, he throws with anticipation. He throws with accuracy. If he can add arm strength and he can stay healthy, I think he's an elite-level prospect in this draft, probably even higher than a guy like Joe Burrow. I think the arm strength is a real concern for a lot of teams, but when you see that accuracy, the little bit of mobility that he has, I mean, it's Drew Brees. What he can be is Drew Brees in the NFL. I'm with you there, Mello. I look at Tua, and he is a lock as quarterback, too, even with the health risk. I think he is miles ahead of Justin Herbert, uh, Jordan Love. He really, really is. And when you look at those other two guys, a lot of teams are going to fall in love with them. It's the same thing we saw when Josh Allen was a prospect. You know, a big-armed, big-mobile quarterback that is very raw, and the accuracy comes and goes, and the turnovers are a problem. I think there's a lot of similar questions with not just Jordan Love, but specifically Justin Herbert. But there are evaluators that they take into you know take into account upside overall. And I look at Tua and see a high-level starter if he's healthy. He just might not have the look some people are looking for because he's not 6'5". Maybe he doesn't run like some of those guys. Maybe he doesn't throw the ball 70 yards off his back foot in an indoor workout. But the things that matter in an NFL game, Tua does very, very well. Throwing accurately to all three levels of the field, the feel in the pocket, the leadership, and that's why I'm still a believer. But Matt, to back to your report, I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, especially when, like Melo said, arm strength is a major concern for a lot of people. And that's Justin Herbert, big arm. Jordan Love, big arm. You're going to hear Jacob Eason talk about his arm strength uh, in our interview in segment three. There are quarterbacks in this class that definitely have a bigger arm than Tua. All right, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mr. Tua in the cash or trash segment. But how about this, guys? The market for Jadavion Clowney is starting to heat up. And the two teams that have been linked to him, not the Seattle Seahawks, Connor's New York Jets, which that is a gigantic need for them. And they definitely have the money to pay for a decade. Right. <laughs> but also the Tennessee Titans, who they picked up Vic Beasley in free agency. They have Harold Landry, who they drafted a couple years ago in the second round. Clowney on the Titans should terrify fans of the AFC. Yeah, I think so, too. I, as a fan in the AFC, that that is scary. And looking at the Titans specifically, I think edge rushers still a need. Landry is still young and kind of unproven, and you just don't know what you have opposite of him. I mean, you could get 20 sacks, you could get two. So I think bringing in an edge rusher is something that Vrabel in this front office is going to try to do. If not via the draft, then yeah, take a look at a guy like Clowney in free agency. See what he wants. Uh, I think that his market is heating up, but I think those dollar signs are dropping. That's exactly what it feels like. But if you're Clowney and you're sitting there and you're like, I might take a one-year $17 million deal, and if that deal is not coming from Seattle, Tennessee would be the place I would go because of the coaching. Although I, I will say with the New York Jets, Greg Williams is another guy that might let him pin his ears back and go and have a super productive year. So Vrabel, Greg Williams, uh, those are other options for Clowney that do make a lot of sense. If he's looking to, hey, I had three and a half sacks last year. The long-term deals are not on the table for me. I have to take a prove-it deal, which let's be real, guys, a one-year $17 million deal it's still a very, right. very good contract for a player that, when healthy, is very, very productive. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him land in Tennessee if he has to go that route. If I'm if I'm him, I go to the Titans. Uh, not only they're a better team, no state income Without tax. Without a doubt. 
Yeah, that's an extra 10% in your pocket. That's $1.7 million on a one-year $17 million deal. That's a no-brainer for me. And then the fit with Mike Vrabel. With Clowney, I thought his game against the Niners, what was that week 17, was one of the best games I saw an edge player have all season. But he just was never on the field. It's funny, a guy who... Coming out of college was like, what a freak show edge rusher. Really, he was the first of those like generational guys that we now have every year. But he was the first one. There's obviously the hat, the hit against Michigan that everybody remembers. But isn't that weird that Clowney, I think Clowney is actually a little bit of a disappointment as of the number one overall pick. I, like, he has I not lived up to that status as a number one pick. I mean, even during his you know first couple of years with the Texans, it's like, all right, well, he had nine sacks the second year, nine and a half. That's really it. That's all we've seen from him. I mean, even, you know, last year three sacks yeah, that's that's not good production from a guy that everybody was saying after that hit against Michigan in the bowl game like this is the best edge rusher we've ever seen well uh, was- to, yeah I mean living up to number one overall expectations I, I do not think so otherwise he would have gotten a long-term deal to keep him through his prime whether it was in with the Texans or now with Seattle and those deals have not been on the table and then you look at what someone like Miles Garrett is a good example, right? And I know it's frustrating because Miles Garrett was suspended for the end of the season last year. But when Miles Garrett's been on the field, there's never a time where you sit there and go, that guy was a number one overall pick. Every single week, you look at what Miles does, and he changes the game. So for Clowney, he's been a good player. He's been a good run defender. The pressures are there. The sack numbers are not. But in terms of living up to expectations, I don't think he has. How so about- I played one full season. As well. Was it that year he had nine and a half? Yep. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute for that. Speaking of having been a minute for an edge rusher, I I don't know if you guys saw this. Alden Smith signed with the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday morning. Alden Smith hasn't played since 2015. Now, this is contingent upon him uh, being reinstated by the NFL. When I retire, I have an Alden Smith story to tell. It's real good. Is this going to be the new Charles Haley story? It's going to be. Yeah, it's good. It's Whenever not... we're available to travel again, you can ask Matt about the Alden yeah, Smith it's story. it's good. It's I, really I haven't good. heard it, so I don't know if it's even on the table for that right now. Yeah, I don't know if it is. But, I mean, he has it four years. This guy hasn't been in the NFL. Uh, they're giving him a one-year, $4 million deal with a $2 million base, $2 million in sack incentives. You know, I'm happy for Alden Smith. I hope he's clean and sober and ready to go. But if you're Dak Prescott, how pissed off are you right now that everyone in the world is getting a deal from the Dallas? Cowboys except for you like I would be upset and I know maybe like that's not Dak's personality maybe there's no ego there but everyone is getting taken care of except for you at this point I think that Dak is probably aware that he is a top priority but they're also still trying to build a team around him it it does kind of feel like maybe the Cowboys are going to try to play him on this franchise tag though like I haven't heard talks about Dak in a contract for a while now but you're right. Everybody else seems to be getting a deal. You go and find an edge rusher that hasn't played football in four years and snatch him up, but you can't get a deal done with your franchise quarterback. It's a little bit sketchy. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it feels like they're they're throwing a dart to replace some of Robert Quinn's production, who got paid a lot more than anyone expected from Chicago. Yeah. Now, with Alden Smith, I mean, he hasn't been a double-digit sack player since 2012, and then his career started to kind of trend downwards after that. Uh, he is 30 years old already, and we'll see what he has. Hopefully it's a it's a really good comeback story, and it's not shocking when Dallas takes these kind of flyers that no one else right. is willing to. I mean, this is a team that brought in Greg Hardy, so... Yeah, are we surprised? That edge rusher out of Nebraska that had all Randy Gregory, Randy Gregory, not surprised. They they like an edge rusher with a little bit of a troubled past. It's like you, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. red flags all about it. (laughs) All right, Derrick Henry, the running back, not the edge rusher, signs his franchise tender guys, which very very smart by Derrick Henry to just go ahead and sign that thing. Don't Melvin Gordon this thing. Sign that franchise tender. Get your money. And this ensures that he will be playing for the Tennessee Titans this year. Uh, I have heard from some sources with the team they're trying to work on uh, an extension. It would not necessarily be long-term when we think of like quarterbacks or offensive tackles, but they're trying to get something done that would give him some security for the next two to three years. But uh, Derrick Henry and Joe Tooney now, uh, two players who've signed that franchise tender and, and went ahead and taken the money. Brandon Scherf as uh, well. And Brandon Scherf, that's right. Yeah, offensive tackle or offensive guards or running backs. Get your money when you can. Yeah, and I think this is a good move by Henry. I think that every running back should thank Melvin Gordon because last year he tried this and it didn't work out. And we saw what happened. He goes and he plays on a two-year deal now with the Broncos. I I think you have to sign your franchise tag. It's not a great system. But I think that's what you have to do at the running back position, especially going into year five. You've had one dominant season last year, rush for 1,500 yards. 
I think the franchise tag is almost going to be a prove it deal for him. Is this something that you can sustain? Is it something we can do again? Is it something we can build around? If it is, then the next contract, yeah, we'll pay you. Probably not a lot. Not getting Zeke Elliott money, but I think they'll take care of him. I think Mike Vrabel is a a good guy when it comes to contract negotiations. I'm sure that he's very honest and upfront with Henry and Tannehill and what's going on with everybody in that front office. Are you guys surprised the franchise tag still exists in the new CBA agreement? Yes. It's and a very shitty I'm thing. I'm surprised it exists for running backs. Like, if That's I were, a really good point, actually. If I were on a team, I obviously, yeah, I'm a general manager. I'm using that franchise tag on running backs if they're good every time. If I were a running back in the NFL, I would have done everything possible to make it abolished for my position because you're just completely devalued and now you know we're not we're seeing guys after three or four years you're just done you're you're not getting you know that you're not getting the security because oh franchise tag we'll make you play under it for two years and then we'll go to someone else yeah you're damaged goods yeah, I, you're I think done. that's why running backs kind of have some value in the first round too. get your five years with them give them two franchise tags Cut them loose. That's what everybody expected the Cowboys to do. I was very shocked that they didn't. Uh, But I think that you can do that with with running backs. And it is pretty shitty to just say, well, we know what you're worth, but you really can't sign anywhere else. I think at a minimum... They should have found a way to make it more difficult for teams to use it. You know, whether it's you can use it once Mm -hmm. in a row, not two to three times, or you pay the average of the top two salaries, not top five. I do think it's become too much of a layup decision, and it's consistently hurt the top players at the free agent market. Also, another thing, guys, that, um, you know, I know the NFL, the owners want the tag. I totally understand it. It would be more entertaining going into free agency without the franchise. Oh, for sure. Enormous. The top 10 players every single year off the Mm -hmm. get go. And then you're sitting there and you're going, wow, there's maybe two tier one players and then a million tier two and three and four players in free agency because all these guys got franchise tagged and it was all a waste of time. Oh, yeah. Like this year, if. Everyone who was a free agent actually became a free agent. Forget it. Like if Yannick Ngakwe, who's tweeting on Thursday night, who needs pass rushers. That dude were a free agent. Like the NBA does it. I mean, yeah. where you have you dominate a whole month or a summer because of free agency. How baseball does. I, I think that the NFL could yeah. do the same thing. And if, I, we're probably not going to see the franchise tag go away anytime soon, but it would be very exciting. And I think the players would be on board with it. it it's something they should probably bring up next time they can negotiate this. In 2030, when they can negotiate it. All right, last thing before we get to cash or trash. A lot of teams are scrambling, trying to figure out where they will hold their drafts from. The Chiefs are doing it in Andy Reid's basement. The Saints are doing it in a brewery owned by the team, by Tom Benson. Uh, they're just they're taking over a brewery, which I've never wanted to be in a team's draft room more than the Saints at a brewery. And I hope that, that not to offend any Saints fans, wouldn't it be hilarious if they like messed up? If the time ran out on the Saints and everybody's like, oh, shit, <laughs> they must be throwing them back pretty hard yeah. in the brewery. Sean Payton's getting toasty with Mickey Loomis. Yeah, it's it's a very cool idea. I'm, I'm curious to see more of these trickle in now over the next couple of weeks. And it feels like uh, after that latest NFL memo that was not exactly quite clear, teams could be doing it from their bedrooms, the GM's bedroom. Teams could be maybe trying to get back into their facilities or drinking beers. Who knows? Right. Jeez, the NFL, man, they're, they're hell-bent on this happening. And uh, who knows where it'll be happening from, but we will be right here covering it. Let's take a break. We come back, cash or trash, then Jacob Eason, followed by your draft on draft questions. It is game time. We're going to play a little cash or trash on some rumors that I've been hearing over the last week. And I always like to just specify here. It doesn't mean I believe the rumor, which is why we play this game. Uh, But these are things that actually are being said around NFL front office right now. Let's go right here first, guys. The New York Giants have picked number four overall. I've heard they're zeroing in on Isaiah Simmons. Mellow Connor, cash or trash? I'm going cash on this one. It seems like a good Dave Gettleman pick. I don't like it, and I know Giants fans are going to be pissed at me. I don't care. Uh, I don't like him in a Dave Gettleman defense, in a Dave Gettleman-built team. Uh, I want to see him be used in a more versatile way. I'm afraid that if the Giants take him, they're going to say, all right, play middle linebacker. I don't. I know they have a new head coach. I know they have a new defensive coordinator. Those guys both came from the Patriots that run a lot of 3-4 or 3 fronts. I don't like Isaiah Simmons there, but I do think that's going to be the pick. I mean, We always see leaks come out of New York with the Giants. I think this is just another case of they tipped their hat. Somebody found out who they're taking, and they leaked that information. 
Yeah, Gettleman's picks get leaked, you know, pretty much every year. And it's usually around this time. So people sit there and go, is this a smokescreen or is this not? And there's been times where I believed it was a smokescreen. Those days are done. This is cash to me, guys. I I think when you look at the Giants, they did invest a lot of money at linebacker in free agency, but there's still room for someone like Simmons that can play safety, that can cover in the slot, and that can come down into the box as a linebacker. Now, I'll say this about the pick. I think the Giants should take the best tackle available. Protect Daniel Jones. Give him a shot. Get more run, you know, running room for Saquon Barkley. I, I think the Giants would be crazy here to not bolster that tackle position. I mean, you're going to go into the season with Nate Solder, who's had back problems for a long time. Cam Fleming, who's really been a backup as your tackles. The Giants are in prime position to get a really, really good offensive line piece. But I think when all is said and done, Isaiah Simmons, which is exciting for the defense, is going to be a New York Giant. And one thing I'll add, I have heard like uh, some quiet buzz that Tristan Wirfs is a the player they like. I had someone come at me on Twitter over this, and they said, if "No you way, knew, you're right." <laughs> like if you knew so much about the Giants, why did you have them taking Dwayne Haskins last year? And I didn't, I didn't clap back. I thought we would just address it on the show. I was actually told around this time last year that they liked Daniel Jones. I didn't believe it. I didn't think they were dumb enough to draft Daniel Jones at seven overall. So I heard it. I just didn't believe it. So that's like the hard thing with these rumors is sometimes you hear something and you're like, no, they're not. Come on. They went draft Daniel Jones at seven. So I had heard it from a really good source. Just didn't believe it. I think this is cash as well. Whether it should be Tristan Warfs or Jedrick Wills or Isaiah Simmons. I think Dave Gettleman with this new head coach, with what they want to do, uh, running, like you said, Mel, whether it's a Patriots defense or a 30 stack, you know, that they're trying to, to implement here. We've talked about Isaiah Simmons as a positionless player. Just let him be a matchup. You got to defend Zach Ertz. Okay. We got Isaiah Simmons. You got to take away, you know, whatever option, whether it's slot receivers, stop the run, stop mobile quarterbacks. He can do a little bit of everything. So the value is definitely there for me. Uh, I do think tackle is a bigger need and a, a more of a premium position, but I got to love Isaiah Simmons. All right. Second rumor we talked a little bit about Tua in the opening segment. But guys, one thing that I have heard a lot, and it's another one of those you start hearing it and you're like, I don't believe this. Then you hear it more and more and more, and you have to give it credit is that the Dolphins don't want Tua. I was on the phone Wednesday with someone who told me that fans need to start, in Miami, fans need to start opening, uh, basically opening up to the possibility that they could draft Justin Herbert, whether in a trade-up or at number 5 overall. But Dolphins fans are like hell-bent. Tua's their guy, and if they don't get him, they're going to revolt. I'm just here to tell you, Dolphins fans, there are a lot of people in the NFL who think your team would draft Justin Herbert over Tua right now. And I think there's a lot of different opinions. You know, what we say on this podcast isn't law. It's not fact. It's everything's an opinion here. So all of us have two as our quarterback, too. I think me and Connor like him a little bit more than Matt, but it takes one team. It takes one team with the Dolphins saying, actually, we like Justin Herbert more. I'm going to I'm go, go trash. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mel. <laughs> so I'm going to go trash on this one, though, because I think this is the Dolphins trying to sit back at five and not have to trade up for him. I think there's going to be a lot of information leaking out. This is lie season. I think that they do like Tua, but I don't think they want to trade up for him. I think they want to keep all those picks that they acquired. So I have a similar thought, Mello, even though I went cash with the stake. I don't think they like him enough to move up for him, which is why I think they won't get him. I think they'll sit there at five, let the board break to them, and they'll take Justin Herbert and be happy with that. I think the Chargers or someone like them will be more aggressive moving to three or four and and take Tua when all is said and done. Now, if Tua is there at five... Sure. I mean, you have to take him. You'd be crazy not to. But I think the Dolphins will ultimately get jumped. And I don't think Chris Greer is a guy that's going to panic and say, I'm not giving away my entire draft to go up because teams are going to ask for a lot of their assets. They have all when you have that much cash coming to the table, uh, teams are going to get really, really greedy. So I'm going to go with cash here overall. I'm also going cash on this. I think there's a strong possibility that that there are high-ranked people in Miami who aren't sold on Tua, it ultimately will come down to what Steven Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, tells them to do. Because when you're drafting a quarterback, the owner has to sign off on it. So I think Steven Ross, who saw Tua play a lot in college football the last two years, may have something to say with this. And I will just throw this in there. We don't have to discuss it if you guys don't want. But there's also, I mean, there's considerable amount of talk that the Dolphins, with all those picks this year and next, could call the Bengals and say, You know, what if Joe Burrow doesn't want to play there? Maybe you should trade back to five and take Justin Herbert. We'll take Joe Burrow. He can come play for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I just, that asking price, it's going to be high. The Dolphins have the picks to do it. I don't, trading away from that number one pick 
to get off of the quarterback that you want, I just don't think that's going to happen. When I look at it, I, I don't think the Bengals sell no matter what. It's so hard if you're Cincinnati to sit there and go, yeah, we uh, we sold the number one pick, so you're not getting Joe Burrow, but we believe in Justin Herbert, and now we're going to take all these other players. Man, right. you, you better be right if you do that, and I just don't think the Bengals will take that risk. Especially for a local kid. You know, he's from two hours away. That's this the is, thing. You know, and it's like so highly respected. All right, third rumor, guys. C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma, is the number one wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. And the New York Jets. I'm buying this one big time. I, I think it's cash. I love CeeDee Lamb. The more I watch him, the closer he gets to a guy like Jerry Judy. I, and I think when you look at these two teams, specifically with the Jets, I believe it, because I think they want a guy with that big catch radius for Sam Darnold. With the Raiders, I, I think they would probably prefer a guy like Ruggs, who can take the top off the defense. But I, I bet there are a lot of teams. I, I 15 teams maybe even that have cd lamb as their number one receiver in this class yeah so i hope you're right mellow because cd lamb is my favorite wide receiver in this draft but i'm gonna go trash here i think for the raiders it'll be someone like rugs i think they'll value the speed i think for the jets i think they'll value judy but you know just looking at their offense but man i hope i'm wrong here i really hope cd lamb is number one wide receiver on both boards so i'm i'm gonna go cash on this it's tough because i i could see the raiders i've said it before you have to face tyree kill twice a year you know how valuable that is you would want a henry ruggs Uh, with jerry judy he's just such a polished route runner it's hard to imagine anyone not liking him i think what's going to happen is going to be for teams like it is for us these three receivers are going to be stacked very very closely together and you're going to like they're so different the three of them that you could find a use for every player, and it's going to be different within your own scheme. All right, how about this one? I, I'm anxious to see what you guys think about this. The Arizona Cardinals reportedly want Derek Brown at number eight overall, not an offensive tackle, which is, I, I think, where a lot of us thought they might go, but they extended DJ Humphreys. They trade for Nuke Hopkins. Could Derek Brown be off the board at eight, Mello? I think they've made a lot of moves on offense, and you're looking at Cl- Kiff. Let's try that. Cliff Kingsbury and what he wants to build. I think a lot of us figure like they're going to go offense. They're going to go tackle. They're going to go receiver. They address the receiver position. They bring it back guys at tackle. I think it is start time for them to start building this defense. Derek Brown is one of the best interior linemen in this draft. I think you look at him and Javon Kinlaw, and then there's a big drop-off after that. So I'm going cash on this one. I do think that they want somebody that can disrupt from the interior, and that's Derek Brown. They desperately need help inside. I know they signed Jordan Phillips, but this was not a, hey, we get one guy in free agency and we're good. They need two guys on top of Chandler Jones on the edge there. So I think when you look at the uh, with the Cardinals here, I'm buying this. This is cash. Derek Brown at eight makes a lot of sense. I'll say this, you know, we've talked ourselves into Tristan Wirfs being the pick there. I don't even know if he's available in that spot. But I also right. go back to something that Matt has said for, God, it feels like a full year now. We just don't know how much Cliff values offensive linemen in that kind of light. In terms of top 10 picks, you know, they were very comfortable bringing back their own. I could see them going defense on this one. Yeah, I could as well. I'm going cash on this one. Um, I I trust the person who told me, number one. And then I I really do think that when you look at their roster construction, Derek Brown would fit. And they're so in love with Chandler Jones. They want to free him up. Derek Brown's going to do that. I mean, look what he did at Auburn, freeing people up. So I think that would be a very good pick for them if he's on the board. No guarantee he'll be there. Eight Last one, guys. Our beloved Dallas Cowboys. Rumor is they could go wide receiver in the first or second round. When we talk about Dallas, we're always like edge rusher, D lineman, corner. Yeah, they sign Amari Cooper, but a third receiver in this offense, I think it's a pretty big need. I do too, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go cash here because with the Cowboys, I think they could load up on targets. And I, with these receivers, they could go 11, 12, 13. Or the Cowboys could be sitting there at, what are they, 16, 17, and we won't have a receiver off the board yet. And if they're sitting there with their number one receiver on the board, I would not be surprised if they take them. Because if all the receivers are sitting there, good chance that a corner or two has come off the board. That a defensive lineman like Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw, they're probably gone as well. And then the Cowboys are sitting there saying, well, what are our needs? We're going to take a guy like Xavier McKinney. He doesn't really move the needle for me. I think he's going to be a very good, solid player. I don't think he's going to be spectacular. 
So if you're matching him up or any safety in this class with a guy like CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, yeah, I think the Cowboys are in a great position to say, let's go take a difference maker on offense that can free up Cooper and help this guy at quarterback, Dak Prescott. I'm going to go cashier as well. I'm not thinking round one. I am thinking round two with this pick. I think the Cowboys are in a good spot to get Jalen Rager, maybe. Maybe Brandon Ayuk falls. Maybe they like somebody that can be more of an instant production uh, possession guy in Michael Pittman, who does have speed to win over the top. I think with Dallas here, there's no doubt about that. They do need a third receiver, and I think with that second-round pick, it makes a lot of sense in this class. Yeah, when I if, when I heard this at first, it's like, gosh, that's early. But then the more you think about it and look at their roster, it's like, actually makes a lot of sense. I know they like Michael Gallup. Obviously, they love Amari Cooper, but if you can get a K.J. Hamler, a Jalen Rager, I I know Mello won't agree with this. There's been some love for Devin Duvernay as like a late second round pick. So someone who could play that slot role, maybe helping the return game, would definitely be big for them. I think with the Cowboys, your Super Bowl window, it's shrinking. You're paying a lot of guys a lot of money. Your Super Bowl window is shrinking over these next couple of years. I think you probably have four years to try to win with this team that you have before you have to start replacing a lot of your key pieces, especially on that offensive line. All right, let's take a break. We come back. uh, You get to hear myself and Jacob Eason talk about chugging beers and strong arms and then your draft on draft questions. All right, we got my man Jacob Eason on today, quarterback from the University of Washington. And first of all, I appreciate you doing this because I know that you're busy right now. How many of these FaceTime Zoom meetings have you done with NFL teams in the last month? Dude, I've done just about every day. It's, it's either a new team or a repeated uh, interview. Uh, you know, the Zoom app is making a killing right now. It's, you know, it sucks to say with all this going on, but, you know, wish I could get a little more face-to-face and personal time with these teams, but, but uh, throughout the Zoom meetings, it's been, been, it's been good. How are you trying to stay in shape when, I mean, you're in, you're in the state of Washington where they've, you know, one of the first places where they kind of told people to lock down. How are you able to stay in shape get out and especially throw like some of these linemen like they can still lift they can do their short area agility you need 75 yards to throw with at least how are you finding space and time to do that yeah so i'm actually still down in california i figured it'd be better to to stay down here um washington was hit pretty hard california's getting hit pretty hard but i figured um there's a little bit better weather and and you know i have more resources to, to use to train down here so I've been really, you know, just trying to stay low-key and sneaky about it and, and really, you know, obviously we want to do social distancing and, and try to stay safe with all this, this virus stuff going around. But I've been able to get out on the field with just a couple guys and, and really, you know, obviously washing hands and everything going around through the meeting and through the, the, the workout. And then, you know, obviously other facility here in Irvine, i got another spot where I can go in with, with a limited amount of people and, and get my work in and, and kind of stay under the radar and, and stay healthy and, and uh, try to avoid this, this bug going around. Have you had teams ask you about it? You know, how, you know, how serious are you taking it? What, it? what kind of precautions are you taking? Or is everyone just kind of avoiding it? Yeah, I mean, you know, every, every text I get, well, something will be mentioning, you know, the, the virus. Because you know, I'm from Washington, Seattle is one of those areas that got hit pretty hard. You know, they all, they all ask how my family's doing. And, and so, you know, I've, I've been talking to my parents a lot. They're, they're uh, you know, spending a lot of time taking care of my grandma up there in Snohomish and, and, you know, making sure she's healthy and safe. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we are taking it seriously. Obviously, it's affected a lot of people in this country and, and a, lot of, a lot of people are trying to try to stay inside and, and, and beat it. So, you know, we're, we're taking measures down here to do the same. And, you know, hopefully this will, this will pass over soon. Matt, how different are your draft weekend plans? Because, I, I mean, so even before I had this job, draft weekend was like the biggest party ever. You know, like you get all your boys together, you're watching the draft. And, I, and I'm just a fan. I can't imagine what it would be like when you're going to hear your name called and you've been waiting for that moment since you were a little kid. And now because of, because of like you said, because of coronavirus, like the draft is not happening on TV like we've all grown used to. What, how much of your draft plan is different now than they used to be? You know, we're still – I still don't even have an official plan yet just because the way it's all going. Like, I don't know if the NFL has an official plan with what they're going to do. And, and so, you know, I'd love to have my family and all my, my guys from home, even some some Husky teammates, some Bulldog teammates, some you know, everybody come in. But with this whole virus going around, it's, you're not supposed to have more than 10 people gathering. And, and uh, you know, I don't even know if I can get my parents on a flight from Seattle because, because it's so bad up there. So – we're kind of playing it by year. I think I'm going to stay down in California and try to get my, my family uh, at least to, to be able to be there with me because, it's, like you mentioned, it's a huge moment, something I've been 
dreaming about for a long time. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a play-by-ear and a day-at-a-time thing. Uh, all right, so you mentioned there you, you've got Georgia teammates, you got Washington teammates. How was it for you going from – I mean, first of all, like going to Georgia, you know, as a, a recruit, being the number one quarterback in the country, a five-star recruit, and then you're in Athens, Georgia, which I don't know if people understand. Athens, Georgia is in the middle of nowhere. That had to be culture shock for you. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I really wanted to try to do out of high school was experience something new and, and take a leap. And, you know, Georgia Georgia did an outstanding job of recruiting me with, you know, at the time it was Mark Rick and Mike Bubba, which changed to, it was Schottenheimer, and then it was Kirby Smart and, and Jim Chaney. Um, and I was a kid from Washington. My pops played another name. He, he had told me not, not to limit my, you know, where I wanted to go to school based on where I was. You know, he had done it. He said it was, it was one of the best experiences of his life. So, you know, I wanted to do that and try something new. And, you know, I'm so glad I did because, you know, all the relationships I made down in the state of Georgia and in Athens and with coaches and teammates and classmates and everyone down there, you know, I adjusted to that, to that area really well. And I, and I loved my time there. You know, even, even after that, I was able to come back to Washington and, and establish new, new teammates, new, you know, new friends, new coaches, new classmates, teachers, everything. So, you know, I really valued the, the relationships and the friendships and the, you know, the lessons I learned in both the spots I was able to go. All right. How cool are you and Jake from with each other? Cause you know, you get hurt, Jake comes in, takes the job and then you transfer to Washington and now y'all are in the same draft class. So yeah. how, how's that relationship? You know, it's, you know, I, I bet everyone believes there's a stigma around that, that, you know, there's some bad blood there, but you know, I've never been a, a person to really, you know, have hatred towards someone or bad blood. You know, Jake's an outstanding person and a hell of a football player and a very smart guy and and uh, I think we both handled that situation very well uh, you know you, you understand that there's going to be one quarterback on the field at a time and that's you know that's the tough part about the position um, you get a room with two or three great quarterbacks and it's really hard to pick one um, you know Jake has a ton of great qualities I felt I have the same you know and qualities and and uh, you know I'm a really good quarterback and and uh, you know it's a tough decision for coach smart to make and and I think, you know, the team felt it. Me and Jake both felt it. And at the end of the day, a decision had to be made. And, and uh, you know, later on I had to make a decision, which was, which was the you know, best for my own career. So, you know, there's no, there's no bad blood between me and Jake. I actually got to spend some time with him down in Indianapolis to catch up. Um, him and Charlie Warner, um, who was also down there, some of those other Georgia boys with like Swift and those other guys. So, you know, it was, it was good to see those guys compete with them and, and, uh, you know, it's all, you know, like a stage like that is really cool because you get to see all those guys. That they even back in high school, they did all the same camps and get all those all those things. And we get to this, you know, the top tier stage, the NFL Combine, we're all competing together and catching up. And it's just a really cool experience. Now, it, I, I think, like, I mean, even after that, then Justin Fields comes in. And I can remember last year before the draft talking to, like, Isaac Nada and some of the other Georgia players. And – like every Georgia player I talked to would say that you have the strongest arm of all, all the, between Justin Fields, Jake, Jake Fromm and yourself. It was like Eason has the best tools to play the quarterback position. As you now compare yourself to Joe Burrow and Tua and Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, is that something that like you even see yourself, like your arm strength is just on a different tier than those guys? Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not into the the comparison, you know, type deal. But I do believe that I, I have the strongest arm in the class. I, I, I'm confident in my arm strength and my ability there. Um, you know, I think everyone in this class has done some outstanding things on the field and in their careers, and they're going to play really well at the next level, uh, no doubt, and all that. But you know, in terms of my own arm strength and my own uh, football ability, I'm, I'm very confident in what I can do. Yeah, how like when you're a kid, do you just understand that like playing pop Warner football like damn i got a pretty strong arm um a little bit stronger than everyone else or is that something that kind of developed as you got older yeah you know it was it actually you know give credit to my dad for that he was he was the one who spent the time with me at such a young age to to develop the mechanics to be able to throw the football and the baseball and even pass the basketball around you know i used to lead the the basketball team and assist and i was a pitcher on the baseball field and also a quarterback so and he was the one who would, who would spend, you know, 30 minutes before the bus got there, before elementary school, working on my form, having a ball on the shelf, finishing, you know, hand in opposite pocket, those things, which I didn't understand at a young age what all those things meant. But as I grew up, it just became like muscle memory. And, and my, arm, my arm strength developed with my big frame and, and, you 
know, kind of took off from there. So a lot of that's due, that credit's due to my dad for, for starting that early. And, and then, you know, the rest is just kind of, and, you know, fine tuning some things. How fast could you throw? What was your fastball in baseball? Well, I, the last time I was gunned in baseball was my sophomore year because I didn't pitch my junior year. It was 93. Damn. So, so you were a pretty good pitcher, which we're finding that in a lot of quarterbacks now. Like Mahomes is the one everybody's going to talk about, but uh, Tom Brady, pretty good baseball player as well. So it, that's it's a nice background to have, having played baseball that well. No, it was, it was a, you know, I loved baseball in high school. Was, you know, my high school was, wasn't very big and, and it wasn't like tiny either, but, you know, all the guys that played out all my sports would all play every sport. So, you know, when, it, when football season was over, you go in the basketball gym and the basketball's over, you're picking up a bat and gloves and playing baseball together. So, you know, Lake Stevens is an awesome place. And, they have, you know, outstanding baseball, basketball, football programs. And, and uh, you know, the athletic part of my life was, was the thing I love the most. So, how was that year sitting out at UW for you then? Like, I mean, you've been a competitor your whole life, and, and yeah. then you go somewhere and you have to sit and watch. Yeah. So, you know, I got to experience, you know, a little bit of that. Um, my true sophomore year at Georgia when I went down and I was out for a number of weeks. And then, you know, when I was able to play again, obviously Jake was playing well and the team was rolling. So I had experienced it without even that. Um, as a competitor and as a, you know, on the inside, it, it stung, you know, like, you know, the, my, my favorite thing to do, go out and play football on Saturdays was taken away from and uh, you know, I wanted to be the guy, you know, leading the troops out of the tunnel and sling the ball around the yard in front of you know ninety thousand people because that's what I love to do. And, um, you know, when that's stripped away from you, it's hard as a competitor, but as a you know, as a person and as a teammate and as a leader in that locker room, I had to, to find a way to make the narrative about the team rather than myself. And I had to continue to be that that same guy I was, that same locker room guy I was. And you know, when I was at Georgia, I was helping helping Jake Fromm any way I could and, and still, you know, leading the number twos out in practice field. And when I was back at Washington, I was able to, to learn a lot from Jake Brown the way he, he handled his business um, in the film room, in the practice field, and in the weight room. And so, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned there. From, from a competitive standpoint, it was really challenging, but as a leader and as a person, I was able to grow and, and find a new appreciation for football. And, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices were my Saturdays. So I was able to go out there and perform and have fun and cut loose and um, on the weekday. And then really on Saturdays, I was able to go out there and, you know, not be a cheerleader, but be a, you know, be a leader on the sideline. who couldn't actually play, but, and, you know, take, take things here and there and learn from them and, and implement them in my game this last season. Now, something that, that I've caught myself saying a lot about you is like 10 years ago, you would have been the number one quarterback in this class. You know, you have prototypical size. We talked about your arm strength, which is crazy. And you've played in a pro-style system. Like, you've been under center. You've run play action. You, you've had your back to the defense. But it feels like right now there's this shift. Everybody wants Lamar Jackson or, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, even, you know, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, guys who can move around in the pocket a little bit more. How do you sell yourself to GMs who are – it feels like everybody's in a copycat league where they're, they're all looking for the, the next wave of quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think – I think every team is going to look for the guy that best fits their system. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not going to outrun, you know, a ton of people when in an open field. But, I, you know, I'm very, very confident in my ability to, to maneuver around in the pocket and get away and create a, create a path to throw the football. You know, that's what my strength is. I can, I can throw a football anywhere on the field from any spot. So I feel, you know, I feel very confident in my ability to move around and do that. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, like a guy, you know, guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, you know, all those guys are still in the league and, and you know, having great careers. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pass-first guy, and I, and I you know, I believe in my ability to, to move around and, and, and make plays when necessary. So, you know, I think whatever team is looking for a, a guy like me and uh, with my own strengths, I think I'll fit in really well. You just mentioned Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Philip Rivers. Has it occurred to you that you might be on the same team as one of those guys or Ben Roethlisberger yeah, that's next year? Uh, but, you know, that, yeah, I've you know, obviously been thinking about that and talking to teams. And, and uh, you know, it hasn't really set in yet that, that that could be a possibility. But, you know, whatever happens, I'll be very excited and, and very eager to get to work. Now, one thing uh, that, that definitely stands out watching you play and then watching the other quarterbacks in this class, like Alabama has four first-rounders at wide receiver. Joe Burrow had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And you guys had some athletes at, at University of Washington and at Georgia as well when you were there. Is that something that, that you've heard a lot about? Like, man, the, the 
the supporting cast that some of these other quarterbacks had is almost an unfair advantage? I mean, yeah, you know, obviously through the media and through through different things, I've, I've heard those things. But you know, I, I have, and I love my teammates at that, both at Georgia and Washington. I had I had some outstanding playmakers, some very great locker room guys, and in, in, in both of my teams, uh, you know, guys, you know, guys like Tua and, and Joe had you know outstanding teams, and they they also made outstanding plays. So I think you know you got to give credit where the credit is due. Uh, you know, both Joe and Tua made incredible plays at their, at their, uh, at their universities. And, you know, I had, they had a lot of playmakers with them as well. And, and, you know, you look at, you look at the tape at Washington, there's, there's guys on my team that were making outstanding plays as well. Um, you know, whether it's Aaron Fuller, Hunter Bryan, Savannah Ahmed, you know, these guys in my draft class, um, you know, they're outstanding teammates and phenomenal football players. One of the other things you hear a lot from scouts, I'm sure you've heard it too uh, from the media, is that there are questions about like your maturity, that you might be a guy who likes to go have fun on, on you know, Friday nights or Sunday nights, and, and that that kind of affects in some way how serious they think you take the game. So, and, and I, I mean, I'll be honest, I've heard that too. I've heard, I had one GM tell me like, yeah, you would love him. Like you would love to go have beers with this guy. Uh, but when it comes to the football side of things, I, I think there is a, a little bit of a stigma out there. Yeah, so you know that's one of the things I've been dealing with in this throughout this whole process is, is answering those questions. Um, you know, you know, bottom line is I, I was a kid from Washington who went to Athens, Georgia as, as a 17, 18 year old kid, and, and you know I kind of learned through that that process on my feet, kind of on the fly. So you know I did just about what every other college student would do and college athlete. You know I enjoyed myself and had fun. Um, but at the same time, it never it never got in the way of my football career, my my academics down there. Um, you know, then every year, obviously, as I grew up and grew older, I was able to to dial that down and, and mature and, and and grow up. And obviously, now when I when I made the decision to to enter the NFL and declare for the draft, you know, I have supreme confidence in, in who I am on and off the field, and and you know that I'm instilling trust in these teams through every meeting I'm doing. And, and, uh, you know, the more face time I get with, with these coaches and these teams, I think, you know, the trust is, is only going up. And it's different when you're a five-star recruit who's, you know, the freshman yeah. on campus because every time you go out or every time you pop into a house party, everyone knows you're there and it's immediately on Twitter. So you've been dealing with the spotlight of being the big man on campus since you were 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, and I didn't help myself my freshman year when I decided to grow my hair out and, and gain 30 pounds. Uh, you know, I was stuck out like a sore thumb along, along those lines. But, you know, I think, you know, everything happens for a reason and you, and you learn, you live and you learn. And, and, you know, I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot of things. So, um, you know, I don't regret anything I did. And, and, you know, I'm happy to be where I'm at today. And, you know, I'm very happy to answer any of these questions and these team coaches have for me because I'll answer honestly. And, and uh, we can we can move on from there. Yeah, no, I I think we all appreciate the honesty instead of the no, like that didn't happen. Uh, just own it up front. Last question I got for you, man. And again, I appreciate your time. Uh, if Absolutely. you could have your pick next year, uh, where are you playing in the NFL next season? Everybody's going to say, like, "Oh, I'm just happy to play." But every kid grows up dreaming of playing in the NFL, and you've pictured yourself in that jersey. So, where would you like to be? You know, it's a hard question. I'm from Seattle, and and I grew up a Seahawks fan. So, you know, obviously they have a really great thing going on with Russell Wilson and right. he's a tremendous playmaker, but you know, I, you know, to answer your question, it'd probably be Seattle as a, as a Seahawks. That's where I'm from. But, you know, wherever I go, as you mentioned before, I'll be ecstatic and, you know, it'll be a dream come true. I'll just be eager and ready to get to work. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to be anywhere um, of the 32 teams and, and ready to get to work. All right, man. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there and uh, good luck. The The next 22 days here are going to be kind of wild as we get ready for the draft. Absolutely. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Thanks again to Jacob Eason for taking some time out of his draft process to talk football with me. And we're going to have a lot more interviews over the next couple of weeks for you guys. Uh, we've locked some in today that I'm excited about. So we'll be letting you know those uh, as soon as we can. But let's start with draft on draft here. Richard Royal asked, is there any hope for Josh Rosen to rescue his career? Seems <laughs> like he's been dealt a rough hand. I love Richard Royal. I do not think that he's been dealt a rough like. I feel like that Rosen uh, deserves some of the responsibility for where he's at in his career. Now, yeah, like the Arizona thing sucks that they drafted you and then moved on. They can do that. 
like you've signed a four-year contract doesn't mean anything in the NFL. If you don't play well or if the new coach doesn't like your style of play, you're going to get traded or cut. That's just how the NFL works. So, I mean, yeah, like it's unfortunate for him, but everything that I've heard is just that he has not handled it well. And I think he has in the public eye, but I agree with you. I Was he set up to fail? I don't think so. Like Arizona took him high. They let him start for 13 games in the NFL before they said, ugh, we actually like this Kyler Murray guy a lot better. And guess what? Kyler Murray was the rookie of the year. So I didn't agree with it at the time. It worked for the Cardinals. And I think it's working out very well for what they're doing. They moved on from him. Okay, found a better quarterback. No problem. Miami had no reason not to play Josh Rosen, and they didn't. He went 0-3 as a starter. He looked real bad when he was in there, threw one touchdown, five interceptions. It just wasn't good. So I think you can say, oh, he was dealt a rough hand. Not any rougher than some of these other starting quarterbacks. Not rougher than what you know Baker Mayfield walked into as a f- rookie quarterback. I mean, that Browns team was very bad. Sam and then Darnold? They, they built around him. What Sam Darnold's going through now, that's just that draft class. I mean, Josh Allen doesn't have a lot of talent around him. He's been successful. I won't even mention Lamar Jackson because obviously <laughs> he's doing very well. So I think a lot of it is just Josh Rosen was a bust. And two teams now have moved on from him. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I think Josh Rosen did himself no favors at all, let's be real, and the character concerns or whatever it may be has not worked out, and the talent hasn't outweighed that. And I also think he was dealt a horrible hand that rookie season with Arizona. I mean, I remember going back and looking at that film uh, because I obviously liked Rosen a lot pre-draft. I sat there and said, well, how do you play? And if he snapped the ball, there was somebody in his face about in about half a second. So he didn't really stand a chance there. I think where it becomes more important to me is I don't know if he showed enough in Miami, whether it was in camp, obviously to start over Fitzpatrick. I think there were times in games where that supporting cast was horrific and there was a lot of drops, but I also don't think he did himself any favors. So for me, it's just dead even. I think Rosen uh, has not worked out at all in the NFL, and I think the situations he's been in have been horrific as well. And sometimes it, it really does go both ways. I mean, there's a reason why, I mean, let's be real, guys. I don't think, you know, Baker and Darnold haven't, lit the world on fire in the first two years, but their teams are still fully committed to them. And I would imagine a lot of that is because they believe in the person and the talent still. I think I said this on the show. Um, If not, then it's a statute of limitations. I can say it now. I asked someone last year at this time, like, because I'm not just trying to pat ourselves on the back. We were very early in saying Kyler Murray will be the first pick. Even when even when the Cardinals fucking Twitter account was saying he wouldn't be, we were saying he would be. Uh, And, I remember texting someone like, why would they move on from Rosen? And the, what I got back was all the problems that you heard about pre-draft were real. Like, he wasn't liked in the locker room there. They didn't find him to be coachable. And I'm not trying to, like, I hope Josh Rosen turns it around. I liked him a lot pre-draft. I, I think he was my third quarterback in that draft, but, I, I mean, I liked him. I want to see him have success, but I think there are reasons why we're not seeing him talked about a lot. Do now, you, watch the Patriots trade for him. I was going to say, do you think that he plays out his rookie deal with the Dolphins, or do you no. think he gets... Moved on after this year, or I think we could see him trade a draft weekend again, again. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think it's pretty clear that Miami really has, you know, especially they're going to take a quarterback. You would assume. Yeah. Why is and he still keep there, Fitzpatrick? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, and also Brian Flores is kind of a no bullshit guy. <laughs> so right. If if there's one, if the, you know, if there's anyone in the league, Brian Flores is a Brooklyn guy with. That takes no bullshit, so I don't think he'll want Rosen around if there is, you know, a conflict there. And they say he's doing all the right things, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's it, he's a fascinating story for sure. Tyler Warden asked, "What do you think is the most likely outcome for college football this season? Will it be moved forward, moved backwards, shortened, or played as normal?" So I have no idea. I really don't. Right. Um, Brian Kelly came at Kirk Herbstreet today, so I don't want to get in Coach Kelly's wrath. Ooh, what'd he say? Uh, someone asked him, what do you think about Kirk Herbstreet's comments that college football won't happen? And he said, he's not a scientist. He's a college football analyst. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> Sounds like the BK so, I know. So I don't want to piss BK off, so I'm not saying <laughs> I, anything. I, yeah, he was very nice to us three, and I have to admit, I, I was... That's the only interview I was a little nervous about before because he's an explosive guy. But he was he couldn't have been nicer. I'll say this about that comment. I do think 
some people need to be careful about these short-term or long-term projections. Like, I've taken this very seriously being in the New York City area, and, and I think people saying, hey, life's not going to be normal till Christmas, or hey, we should be working again in two weeks, are both wrong. How about mm-hmm. we sit here and take it week by week and tell us, you know, listen to what people are telling us to do. I think, I don't know, it's it's rough on both sides. And I do think that everyone listening to this who wants football back in the fall Take it seriously. Stay the fuck home. Like, the only way this is going away is if we stay home until there is a vaccine. And I'm not a scientist, you know what, at all. But <laughs> Just a football guy. Just a football guy who actually went to school to be a paramedic and worked as a nurse. So I'm a little bit uh, above where Kirk Herbstreit is on the medical side of things. But, like, so you think- if you want football, take it seriously. Stay home. Yes. And I think going, getting back to our question, it, what will happen? Um, the NCAA makes me nervous because they just up and canceled their basketball tournament and baseball and softball, all the spring sports. It makes me nervous. Uh, it should be, you know, very low on the priorities, but sadly it is very high on my priorities. I want college football back and again, stay at home so we can do it. I don't, I don't know if they're going to move it back. It would be so hard to reschedule everything this close to time so i think they would probably just start canceling games and shorten the season i think if anything that's what, what you would just play your conference schedule same for the nfl that even those like you start know, playing your division times. schedule so, the acc starts like week one right sec you know it, it'll be difficult to do that again let's just all do our part to make sure football comes back when we want it please to. guys please please stay home justin bodfield says what are some of your best player comps this year? Mine is Van Ooh. Jefferson to Stevie Johnson. So Mello and I have to do 400 of these uh, uh, for the Draft 400 project. It's a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite ones. Uh, I really like Jonathan Taylor to Nick Chubb. Uh, Jonathan's obviously faster, but like the, he doesn't do anything in the run game or in the pass game. I think he can, though. I comped him. I comped uh, Jonathan Taylor to Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Peterson. I deleted that. Yeah, <laughs> because the, well, listen then. Both of them play with elite speed. Wow, that's fucked both up. of them are about two hundred and twenty pounds. Fumbling issues coming out of college, and everybody said Adrian Peterson can catch coming out of college. He can catch a little bit. Is he going to be an elite level third down back that you know goes out there and catches a hundred passes like Christian McCaffrey? No. Will he catch 30? Yeah, I think he can do that. And that's why I said Adrian Peterson, which is a more accurate comp than Nick Chubb, BTW. <laughs> and also, one of my favorite ones is the one that I was earliest on was C.D. Lamb and DeAndre Hopkins. I cannot get over how much they look alike playing the game and how similar they are. I've straight up stolen that one. So, yeah, yeah that was a good one. That was a good comp. I have C.J. Henderson yeah. to Marcus Peters, and I like that one, too, I on still, the field. I still can't get a good one for C.J. Henderson. I went with Darius Slay. Hmm. Not bad. I'm going to throw some weird ones in here because I don't want to do the like. I remember we did the Chase Young one on our Twitter like in October. Yeah. I felt like we did that one. Uh, I have Darrington Evans comp to Felix Jones. I thought that was an interesting one. And then That's, that I have is Cole Komet. Thank you, Melo. I have Cole Komet comp to Martellus Bennett. Oh, there we go. And then I'm trying to think of some other ones here that are like I haven't seen out there. Oh, here's a throwback one. I have, and I know people like Cam Akers a lot, and I do too. And so people are not going to like this comp. If you don't comp someone to a superstar, people get really mm, mad. Right? Uh, I, I, Cam Akers reminds me of Joseph Adai a lot. Oh, he wasn't a bad player. No, not at all. And then Melo, the one I know you and I both did without. It's like we read each other's minds. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Devonte Parker. That seems seamless to yeah. me. That one. Yeah, I, I had one earlier today. Zach Bond and Kyle Vinoy. Yeah, that's good. I, I think that they are very Their similar. Usage, yep. And depending on what team they Versatile. go to, uh, I think Zach Bond could play in a very similar role. Okay, here's one more for you. I did this one. Uh, Zach Moss to Kareem Hunt. Not yeah. real fast, but will run away from people, can catch, physical runner. Remember Kareem Hunt, you just put his helmet in people's sternum. I say oh, used yeah. to, like he's 40 years old. He's like 25. He just <laughs> hasn't played in a little while. All right, we'll move on. Do you guys that. have any blender comps? Like you just throw two guys in a blender? And it comes out as one player. No, I haven't done that actually. I haven't either. I did that for. I had to do that for Burrow. I did a Matt Ryan Tony Romo blend. Yeah, I like that. Um, I've said that about who did I had one? I can't remember now, but I had it in my notes as like a split. You know, it's like he's kind of because some players you have to right. like Isaiah Simmons. I don't know one player that Isaiah Simmons. Now, is. I did Derwin James, and then I always like try to explain it 
Like it's Derwin James, but this mm-hmm. year for Draft 400, uh, they haven't come out yet, so people haven't seen this. We're doing a ceiling and a floor comp. So like if everything goes right, you know, this is who yep. Joe Burrow is. Spectrum. If it doesn't go right, he's this guy, you know. So I hopefully that gives people like a better understanding of how Ooh. we see him. What's his floor? I actually I'll have to look. I don't remember off the top of my head because we did quarterbacks first, and it's been a little while. This is, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Fill one. in the gap here. I with mean, me. his floor, athletic. I, I mean, I think he'd be a guy out of the league. Okay, now here we go. You ready? Yeah. So I went ceiling, Andrew Luck, floor, Alex Smith. No. You don't think I his think floor? his floor is much lower. You just don't like Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow, <laughs> but I also. I've seen a lot of number one quarterbacks bust and not be as good as you thought. Look at Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Mariota might be his floor. Actually, I was yeah, just going to say, right. that's it's actually pretty floor. good. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, but you know, guys like Man. that, look back five years ago and be like, oh, what's Marcus Mariota's floor? You would have said Alex Smith. Yeah. Did he live up to it? No. The fuck he didn't. No. I mean, he's not Alex Smith. So I think a lot of these quarterbacks, especially – could bust. And, you know, I, I think we were guilty of it last year, too, being like, oh, my God, Quinn and Williams, this is the safest pick in the draft. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't. No, Nick Bosa it was. was. Not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Shit. I liked that Oliver more than him. Yeah. I can remember a scout trying to talk me out of Nick Bosa like the week before the draft of like, his first step is just not good. I don't know what you're saying. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, it's, <laughs> That's what he's best at. It's there's the, the range of opinions is always fascinating. My tab crashed, so you're going to have to read the draft on draft question. All right, next one up here from Grant Gonsolin. Would you be willing to give up an entire season of college football in order to get a brand new NCAA college football game? No. I don't know if I would be willing to, uh, but if we don't get real college football, <laughs> yeah. EA, you better be pulling some strings because I'm going to need something come this fall. We're going to need the BR college football simulations every night instead. <laughs> right? And they're gonna, everybody's yeah. going to have to get like a PlayStation 2 back out and see if it works. Uh, mine still does, though. I would not give up a season of college football. There's not a lot no I would give up a college football season for. Like one of my children were dying and that was the cure. Yes. Outside of that, not much. How much money would someone have to pay you to not watch college football next season? I don't know, but you took my mind to a different place. I've seen a lot of people release (laughs) memes and be like, what if I told you for two weeks you have to stay in your house, stocked up fully, toilet paper, food, everything you need. If you can stay in your house for two weeks, I'll give you (laughs) (laughs) $1,200. A month ago, everybody would be like, oh, no, duh, I can do that. Now no one can fucking do it. No, no way. (laughs) The problem is that two weeks is turning into two months real quick. quick. And by the way, those checks aren't coming until like who knows when. So (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, it's not even close to inside. But how much money would it take for you to not watch college football? It would take... Well, I'd be fired, so you'd have to cover that. I was going to say, I wouldn't have my career then, so I really can't do this unless it's enough for life. I really don't think I could do it. I would agree on, like, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars, but I would fail after, like, week three. Yeah. Like, there's no way you couldn't watch the Red River shootout. Yeah, because I would would agree on something. Probably not too much money. Or even if I said, uh, for a million dollars, I won't watch college football this year. By October, I'm writing a check and be like how do i get out of this contract buy me out i don't i don't want to do this anymore right that first cold fall day where you make some chili and you're like god i want to watch football you do it you get gus johnson on imagine the how lonely you'd feel like all your friends are watching college football and you're just like and everyone's tweeting about it mm-hmm. uh yeah I, that's i'd be depressed all right i got my tab working again last question from our guy mags all things considered, if both the Texans and Jaguars GM spots opened up, which job is more desirable? Mags, this is the easiest question I think you've ever asked us. It is the Texans because they have a quarterback. They also have a left Ooh, tackle. I don't agree. You don't agree? I don't agree. Oh, man. No. I would work. For, I, it's the ownership thing for me. Oh, okay. That's why. Well, the, the Jags ownership Jackson, is good. Jags ownership is phenomenal. Uh, everybody raves about them. I agree. I would love to be the GM of a team that has Deshaun Watson. But, man, I, I think Bill O'Brien is making that yeah. a very tough Well, I'm assuming fix. he's fired, right? But when you look at the rest of that roster sure, for the Texans, mess, yeah, they don't. I mean, you're going to have to no picks. re-sign Laramie Tunsil. You have no picks. You're wasting away Deshaun Watson. Like, oh, if you take yeah. the Texans' GM job, you're probably there for three years. So I could, yeah, I could I see the Jaguars. Yeah. And meanwhile, Dave Caldwell's been in Jacksonville since, what, 2012? Yeah, they and don't he drafted fire Bortles people. in 14. Yeah. Also, if you're... 
you go into the the Jags GM job with two swings because you build the team around Gardner and see if it works, and then if it doesn't, you get to draft your own quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. I I would take the Jacksonville job every single time. Man, I just love Deshaun Watson so much. Maybe I take the Jacksonville he's, job he's and trade QB for one. him. Yeah, you that's know? what but you do. You take the Jaguars job and you trade your two first round picks this year and a first round pick next year. Boom, Deshaun Watson's. I honestly can't believe that someone hasn't. Maybe they have. Like, if you're the Dolphins, don't trade up for Joe Burrow. Trade for Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. Those picks that you have? I would do that. I think Watson was a better prospect than Joe Burrow. There's your hot take. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I disagree because I have the numbers that say I disagree. Well, but you have to. You're right, yeah. right. <laughs> you don't um, have a choice here. Right. I was so wrong about Deshaun Watson. And, um, Were you? I, yeah, I was. I mean, I had a uh, – like, he was in my 20s, somewhere like that, overall – um, I just really, I was really worried about the interceptions that he threw that last year at Clemson. I mean, I loved him as a college football he player. He had so many attempts that last year, though. <clears throat> yep. And it's just one of those things. You just, you get blinded. By. I actually told Connor this the other day, that it was the first year that I, I know for sure that I let a scout, uh, like a high-ranked team personnel person, change my opinion on quarterbacks. And I, like, I regret it to this day, and I learned a hard lesson from it, but I let someone else's opinion influence my own, which is why I'm like a hermit now. I try to just... These are my rankings, and I live with them. Yep. I was there for it, too, but thanks. He threw 579 attempts his junior year and 17 touch interceptions. Yeah, I mean, the ratio is not bad. Yeah, and completed 67%. And beat Alabama. Yeah. I watched that game earlier. Yeah, I know. I'm stupid. It happens. Uh, But you know what? Ryan Pace made the same mistake. One of us will get fired for it. And we all miss on quarterbacks. Right. In yeah. Let's draft. not even go there. No doubt. Okay. Yeah. We talked about Josh Rosen earlier. There's case in point number one. Mello's favorite football player is now now is someone he didn't like coming out. I hated him. I actually I don't think I've yeah. ever said this on the show, but I had a tweet from when Mahomes was drafted. We have a friend named Cole, and he was so excited about it. I was like, dude, I'll bet you. Vince Young has a better career than Patrick Mahomes. Oh. I tweeted that. It, I hope I went back and deleted it. I don't oh, know if I have. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to right now before anybody can <laughs> find it. I'm trying to find it right now. But it's out there. <laughs> I'm I'm searching right now. Yeah, Vince Young, better career than Patrick Mahomes. we got to find it. All right, that is our show. Maybe uh, when we come back, we just talk about uh, all our misses. That'll be a fun summer show. Here's how bad we are at our jobs. But uh, do come back Monday uh, because we'll have a fun show for you. Mock Draft Monday. Thanks again to Jacob Eason. For Mello and for Connor, this is Matt. Please stay safe out there, guys, and stay home if you can. 